Welcome back, everybody. Season 2, episode 37 of the Main Stand Podcast. Mitchell, Josh, and Pat here to finish out the Premier League season. We're going to talk team of the season today. We've got some other kind of quick hitters. And then uh, leading up to Championship Sunday, the final day of the Premier League season. Boys, how are we feeling? City are champions. I feel great. (laughs) Pat just won the league. You're asking him how he's feeling. Pat's yeah. doing awesome. I was gonna let him fucking do the thing. I mean, yeah. What a, what a season it's been for Man City. It's been a great Premier League season all around. I don't, I think we're gonna hop right into team of the season probably. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just been a great season. Uh, title race going pretty far. You know, in a lot of really good standout performances. Some new guys kind of coming into our team of the seasons. Uh, I think we're gonna have some fun debate today, guys. Yeah, I, I feel like I feel like in the past the team of the season has kind of been cut and dry. Mm. In past seasons, it's been it's been tough. Like there hasn't been a ton of debate to be had in certain areas. I think this year there, like Josh said, there were a lot, a lot of good, a good players this year. Some really standout guys. Some teams that really overperformed. Some you know some of their guys may may sneak into some teams. Um. So yeah, I'm excited. I think background for this team of the season is there. You know, it's just our own individual teams of the season. Um, I picked one. Josh picked one. Mitch picked one. We're gonna go through position by position, back to front, yep. start and goal, go all the way to the forwards. No, no set formations. And you know, I I think one of us might be doing a four four two if I. Remember some of the the, the pre chat. I I have a four four two. Correctly, yeah. I, so I think this year Taylor's more to the midfield game than last year. Last year we were we were kind of set in stone with the four three threes across the board. There's been a lot of different play this year, so I think the four four two really kind of invites the best debate this season. I pivoted last minute, Mitch. I know you and I talked off air. I am in a four three three. After all that chat, I I did go back to the 4-3-3. What did you Um, go to, Pat? I was in a 4-4-2. I I went back to the 4-3-3. Oh, okay. Yeah. I I did some internal debate, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get there when we get there. Interesting. Uh, So let's let's tuck right in. So main stands, team of the season, or, you know, the main stand members, individual teams this season. Uh, We'll start in goal. Uh, Josh, why don't you start us off? Who's your goalkeeper of the year? Yeah, I took a um, – maybe some people will think it's an obscure one. I have saw a couple names bounced around, but Allison. Um, I'm trying not to be Liverpool biased on this one. Liverpool obviously had an off year, but I think Allison was a, a standout player, not only for Liverpool but in the league. Uh, 14 clean sheets, which is good enough for second in the league, only behind De Gea. Um, and one stat that really stood out to me about Allison this year was his post-shot expected goals minus actual goals allowed. So basically this kind of weighs like how successful he is at stopping shots. Um, So he actually had a plus 10.1 on this. So expected goals basically minus goals allowed. To have plus 10 on that I think is absolutely crazy. Pope is only at plus 0.3 and Ramsdale's minus 2. Those were my other two contenders. I think that kind of tells you all you need to know about the saves Allison's been making this year. And he had one assist as well. That Man City goal, uh, unforgettable. Yeah, that that's me. That's Allison. Uh, I'd like to hear Good what you shout. guys have to think. Though. Also, also fourth overall in in saves. Yeah, with a leaky Liverpool defense, not a bad shout. 
the uh, the assist that binned Cancelo. Sure. In a way, thank you. <laughs> uh, Mitch, why don't you go share who you've got in goal? Yeah, I had uh, Brentford's David Raya. Um, I think Raya, for what he did for that team, leading the league in saves with 152, 11 clean sheets. It's not like Brentford's fucking defense is is polished by any means, but uh, he took Brentford to a, a mid-table finish when we all had him in the bottom three. I, I think we definitely overlooked this Brentford team for what it's worth, but uh, Raya definitely kept him in it. We'll, we'll talk about how we felt about Brentford at, I guess, the end of the season when it's all kind of said and done. Uh, I guess it's my turn. I almost picked Raya. Raya was one that I was seriously debating on on tossing in, but I actually had a name that was thrown out earlier. I had Nick Pope. Mm-hmm. Nick Pope is my guy. Um, I don't have stats like Mitch and Josh do. I just went strictly off vibes for uh, for what I felt <laughs> the best players were in each of the each of the set positions. Uh, but but Nick Pope Nick Pope was great. Newcastle had the best defense in the league, so fair enough. Maybe it wasn't all down to him, but I felt like he made a lot of key saves when when he needed to. He, he was good in the net. He's he, he's Nick Pope, man. We, yeah. we saw how good Nick Pope was in the past for Burnley, and he showed it again this year for Newcastle. I think he was great in net and. Uh, for me, best keeper in the league this year. Do we want to do uh, honorable mentions by position, guys, or at the end? Yeah, I think I think just a couple of names off the top. I, I would say just throw out like, obviously David De Gea is, is would be in my boat of honorable mentions for for keeper of the season. Yeah, yeah, along with Aaron Ramsdale, I think Ramsdale had a pretty good year too. Um, I think the thing that keeps Ramsdale out of my team of the season is I wasn't always impressed with Ramsdale in the big moments mm-hmm. um you look at you know aside from a couple of monster saves against liverpool and arsenal he was kind of or against liverpool and man city sorry um he's kind of at fault for a lot of drop points too i think in the games against city despite his his saves you could really say that he maybe came off his line a little too early for the de bruyne goal or or didn't command it enough in that fixture and then he he really did feel at fault for the second goal um, in the Brighton loss that ultimately lost them, you know, took them out of the contention for the Premier League title. I, 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 he was just shaky in, in, in weird moments in the league, and his distribution never, like, overly impressed me. I, I think having somebody as commanding as Saliba in front of him in a system that holds the ball a lot and doesn't really give him many opportunities to make mistakes mm-hmm. um, kind of is, is why... A lot of people look at him the way he does, or, or, or they they did this season. I just was never, for me, that's what kind of what kept him out. Yeah, I think that's fair too. I think those are I think those are mainly the goalies that would get a shout. The five we mentioned. Um, hmm. we'll, we'll go to left back now, I guess. I think personally, I'll go first just because um, I think left back was the hardest one to, to pick for me um, because I don't think there was really a standout left back in the prem this year. Um, Zinchenko, I think, is a good shout. Um, as well as Luke Shaw. I don't know if both of them had team of the season campaigns. I think Arsenal fans will tell you, you know, how Zinchenko let them down lead in the season with defensive lapses. And, you know, I recall that Trent Alexander-Arnold nutmeg that gave us the equalizer in, in our game against them. So I went uh, with Purvis Estupinian from, from Brighton here. Uh, six goal contributions and 30 starts in the league. I think that's really good. He also had 85 shot creating actions, over three a game. Um, when you look at a player like Mo Salah, he only averages like 3.7. So to do that from left back in, in a Brighton team, I think is good enough for me to get in the my team of the season. 
a Brighton team that also just ended up solidifying European football. So yes, sir. that's a good shout. Yeah, that's a good shout. Escupion was, was really impressive for me. Mitch, you can go ahead and share your left back, and then I'll share mine. I think we have the same one. Um, I, like Josh said, did not think Andy Robertson, Luke Shaw, or Zinchenko had a standout year or enough consistency throughout the year to to warrant a, a team of the season shout. Um, a player who slid over to the left and balled out, I thought, um, week in, week out was Nathan Ake. Uh, I think he had a very, very solid year in the Premier League. And um, I, I just, I think he filled that left back role better than the true left backs, personally. Completely agree. I think Nathan Ake is the reason we saw Jack Grealish play as well as he did, being a good defensive figure down City's left, added a lot of balance to a title-winning side. Uh, not to mention, uh, I, in my humble opinion, I think he's the best one-on-one defender in the league, uh, bar none. Mm. And, you know, often tasked with some of the more difficult uh, the players. Uh, you know, on his way back from London, he had to let Sokka out of his pockets, and then <laughs> he did a really good job against Mo Salah in that game uh, at, at the Etihad against Liverpool, um, and then you you look at his reverse compatriot in uh, Cancelo. Uh, he got cooked. He got skinned by pulled by a lot of different different fullbacks. Uh, now, he, he added a lot to that City defense, and yeah, Nathan Ake as well yeah. was my pick for left back this year. It was between him and Botman. We can go right into honorable mentions here. I thought Botman was unbelievable for Newcastle, too. Another natural center back. Made, I think, over 28 starts from the left back position for Newcastle this year. Um, I thought Botman was amazing. I just think Newcastle as a defensive unit were so solid that there wasn't like one, well, there was one standout defender, but we'll get to him later. Um, and, and for me, Botman was really good, but I think he was kind of a a product of the system. Sure. We'll, uh, we'll go to center back pairings, I guess, next. I, I don't think we need to take like a, a left center back or anything like that. Um, no. I guess I'll go first here, and I kind of want to hear Pat's take on this because, you know, he has another player in this pairing for me, uh, Ruben Diaz. I mean, Pat's been raving about him all year, and then I have Botman as well. I put him at center back. It's kind of a minuscule detail. It doesn't really matter. He made starts at both positions. Both of them are kind of the anchors, I would say, and, you know, the two best defenses in the league. So there's not a ton of conversation there for me. You know, Van Dyke misses out again. Uh, Will Saliba, I think, is right there, who you guys are – I know you are going to mention in this one. But I, I think the center back pairings, you could go a few different ways and be pretty uh, flawless and um, respectful, I would say, to a variety of different combos. Yeah, I would agree. But, uh, but before I share mine, yeah, um, I'll – just a couple of honorable mentions, and then I'll share mine because there are a couple of guys who I think we'd be remiss not talking about going through. Yeah, Char had a great year for Newcastle. He was an honorable mention for me. Martinez, despite kind of being outclassed <laughs> in, in some situations, did have a pretty good year. Um, I think he's United's best defender, and I, I think ignoring him and, yep. and how good he was in, in a lot of the season would be a little remiss. And Lewis Dunk as well. I, I think he had an unbelievable year for Brighton. Um for my center back pairing, I have Ruben Diaz, just like Josh, and I have Saliba. I think City really missed Ruben Diaz the minute he comes back from injury. You know, we, we look like a whole different side at the back. He He's a leader. He's a future captain for City. For me, he's the best center back in the league. Um, and I, I think that, yeah, I, I think he, like Josh said, he, he's the anchor for one of the best defenses in the league. 
Um, and then Saliba on the other side, I think he can make a case for best defender in the league. I think everything we loved about Virgil van Dyke from like a physical aspect, Saliba encompasses a lot of that. I'm not saying he's as good as van Dyke, but I think he has a lot of similar qualities that we saw in like the pre-injury van Dyke commanding in the air. He, he's a leader as well. Um, pretty good with the ball at his feet. He, he's he's a confident one-on-one defender. He's good in those physical battles with center other other commanding center forwards as well. Um, yeah, I, I think Saliba had a, an unbelievable year, and I think it really shows how important he was to that Arsenal team because the minute he gets injured, they really start leaking goals in the back half of the season. Um, he 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 changed he changes that Arsenal defense much like Ruben Diaz changes the City defense, and for me, that's why him and him and Diaz are my two. And I and I think um, I don't really need to beat a dead horse. Uh, my my center back pairing was was Shar and Saliba. I thought Shar, uh, in my opinion, was the better center back out of out of the Botman Shar combination. Um, Two hundred and six recoveries, one hundred and eighty seven duels won, uh, and he had an unbelievable amount of uh, passing out of the back as well. So I yep. thought uh, I thought Shar took the spot for me. Yep. Like I said, I think there's a variety of different ways you could go. Um, one, also, Pat mentioned a few honorable mentions. One that just kind of crossed my mind that I think kind of had an under-the-radar good year, Ben Mee at Brighton. Talk about yep. a guy that left Burnley. Uh, made a huge difference at the, the team he went to, Ben Mee. Mm. Um, yeah, that, the pairing of Mee and Dunk has been yeah. mucho right. good. We'll, uh, we'll wrap it back around. Mitch, why don't you lead us off with a uh, right-back? Right back, I feel like we all have one, and it's Kieran Trippier. Um, this man was a man possessed this year. Uh, unbelievable asset to this Newcastle side, and boy, did he produce. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to – I don't have much else to say. Kieran Trippier is my right back, too, and I, I feel the same way as, as Mitch does about the guy. I think he was really the standout player in in newcastle's back four um unbelievable from a dead ball uh just as good defensively uh what a what a player he is to to be that like what felt like almost marquee signing that first newcastle like oh shit they signed trippier come over from atletico to join this new project and, and really be like one of their main men um yeah great year really big part of newcastle securing yep. top four for sure. I mean, seven assists. I mean, the stats, I think, for Trippier speak for themselves. You know, everyone can kind of look at those. But uh, when you look at the other right backs in the Premier League, there wasn't a ton of competition either. You know, look at the Trent Alexander-Arnolds who have won it in years prior. Um, you know, Diego Dolo at, at Man United, I guess, was their right back for most of the year. Uh, there just wasn't really another standout one for me. Um, I'll move it on. I'll have Pat start this one. Um I guess, do you want to do the midfield trio or do you want to start off with like a, a CDM? Well, Mitch has two midfielders, so we could just share our midfields. midfields. Yep. Let's do that completely. Yep. And go from there. Yeah. So my midfield three at, at, in the defensive mid spot, I have Rodri. Um, listen to any other episode and you'll hear what, how I feel about Rodri. Um, best defensive midfielder in the world, best defensive midfielder in the league. Very rarely puts a foot wrong. Uh, I don't I don't have enough high praise for him. I don't think a midfielder comes close to him in his position. I think Casemiro was really good, and I think you could say 
he wasn't a, a transformative thing or piece for Man United, but availability is important too. And the amount of red cards that, that Casemiro got so early took him out of so many games. I think he missed like seven or eight games due to suspension in the league, if I'm not mistaken, because he had that like three or four game ban for one of his red cards. Um, great player. I just don't think that he's as good as Rodri. Um, but it's just it's just opinions. Uh, and, and then the other two, I have Odegaard and De Bruyne. Um, I think Odegaard was unreal this year. I think he was Arsenal's best player. Um, and I, I think that De Bruyne kind of turned it on a little bit later in the season. Um, but 16 assists, seven goals. Uh, he's there when it matters. Did, in my opinion, he's one of the best big game players in the league. Um, GA against almost all the top sides this season. Uh, he was there when it matters, and I think that's the most important thing you need out of a player. Um, you know, cemented his, he, he's cementing his place as one of the best midfielders we've ever seen in this league. Um, and and yeah, I just don't think there was a, a, a attacking midfielder truly better than than De Bruyne when it's all you know said and done at the end of the season. I'll go next just because I have the exact same trio as Pat. Um, when you're doing a 4-3-3 setup, I'm not sure there's even a, a question mark next to any three of those players' names. They were just so standout, um, particularly Kevin De Bruyne, like Pat said, later in the year. I think we all kind of you know appreciated it a little bit more what he's doing, and I think we're going to look back in five years' time and realize we were watching, you know, the premier player in this era of talent. Uh, he's just unplayable and then Odegaard I mean what a job kind of not only doing good in this Arsenal side but also leading them at a very young age too so I think that's pretty impressive and obviously you know the uh, creativity he brings on the ball and you know shooting range that he put it on full display this year so I think he has to make the team yeah he's he's been unreal um Mitch go ahead and share your your midfield I, I believe it's only a two for you so yeah, it is. It is Rodri and uh, and Odegaard in my midfield. I think Rodri, kind of the consistency throughout the the year and what he brought to that CDM role for for City was was phenomenal. Uh, and and then everything you touched on Odegaard and and more. He's captaining this this young Arsenal side. And while they did kind of fold at the end of the season, he did a lot to keep them pushing and hold them together. Um, and I respect that. Uh, and then I guess kind of swinging midfield wingers, left mid, I I took uh, I took Rashford, and right mid I took uh, Bakayo Saka. Um, I just I think I think their their end of the season especially speaks for themselves. Uh, Rashford more so. His run after the World Cup w- has been immense. Um, and and Saka really i think improved a lot over last year uh with his consistency of play uh, i think what was it 11 or 12 assists on the season um i think he's on like 13 goals 11 assists something like that 20 25 26 ga yeah he's he's play, he's playing out of his mind and i think i'd be remiss to not have him in my team funny you say end of the season for Saka. uh he's actually on a, yeah on like a five game no GA spree to close the season out. But I know what you mean. I think Sokka's been really good, too. I had we get, we'll get, when we get to the forwards, you'll understand why. I do have a yeah. question for you before we move on from the midfield, Mitchell. Yes, sir. So Josh and I both had De Bruyne in our teams. What What is it about either Odegaard or Rodri that maybe puts 
them in your midfield over De Bruyne, or is it because you think that your forwards, both of them needed to be there, and what they did this year maybe eclipsed what De Bruyne did? I think my for I think my forwards maybe eclipsed that, and I think a lot of well, De Bruyne did run the midfield for City and and produce a lot. Um, I think the link up between between him and Erling Holland was very important for City's success this year. And I think just giving a shout to a player like Odegaard, Odegaard for the season that he had with Arsenal is necessary. And I think what Rodri did defensively, um, allowing you know the rest of City to, to really move the ball forward a lot quicker and open up play was, was why I took Rodri. De Bruyne was an easy third honorable mention for the. Oh, that uh, that all sounds great to me. I was just I was just curious how you were feeling, and I, I think I, I think it's only right you start us off with your forwards. Who who's leading the line for your team of the season? Erling motherfucking Holland. Uh, this big tall blonde bastard came over to the Premier League and broke records. I mean, he filled the role that uh, City's been needing filled for a very long time and he flourished um was there when he was needed and i don't think there's much else you can say about it uh the other player i have in my <laughs> my forward pairing is ivan tony um ivan tony you know it's it's kind of hilarious the fact that we'll we'll miss him for the next eight months to a year uh don't gamble it's bad for your health and your uh professional life but if you if you do maybe just don't bet on the sport you play professionally just just a thought might might be uh might be smart my computer's giving me issues here hold on um ivan tony what 20 goals this year something like that a lot you know a lot in the in the league um, and for what it's worth, for the same reasons I, I kind of gave for Raya, he was imperious for this, this Brentford team that we all really overlooked, uh, 736 passes for a forward. So he's still distributing the ball only four assists. So that speaks volumes to, to what we're seeing up front when he's bagging goals, um, at the rate he is. 0.61 per match throughout the season. Um, I think he deserves a shout in the team of the season. I appreciate that, Mitch. Uh, I don't think that me or Pat have this guy either. Uh, so a player that didn't make it at any any of our three team of the seasons that I think could compete with Tony for that spot, and I want to get your thoughts on, Harry Kane did score 28 goals this season. The quietest twenty-eight goal. It was like that's a quiet. It was ever. a quiet twenty-eight goals. Uh, no, I and you know I I thought Kane at first, but when I really thought about it, and we look at the table, Tottenham are in eighth, Brentford are in ninth. I I think Ivan Tony's twenty twenty-two goals is 20. a lot more is a lot more I'm important. 20 then harry kane's 28 can we get a pack can we get a stat check on pens the premier league app doesn't give 
penalty versus non-penalty goals. Pat can, uh... Okay. Harry Kane had five penalties. Just... 23. Okay, so down to 23. Ivan Tony, just give me a quick three seconds here. Um, I, are a logistic I, Ivan Tony had 14 penalty kicks of, of 20. Love it. That's a that's a ton of penalty kicks, man, for one year. 14? 14 of his hey. 20 goals were penalty kicks. How, ma- how many of those oh, did no, he win? Oh, no, never mind. I, I stand corrected. I was looking at um, non-penalty goals. Sorry. So 14 non-penalty. Six. I was going to say, holy I, I was. I thought the, the system was broken there for a second. Uh, and I was trying to play it like he won all of them. So, <laughs> hey, you know. That's how it goes. Pat, why don't we uh why don't we get into your front three? All right. Um my front three. I'm gonna talk about the big man first because he plays for me. Erling Holland is very obviously leading my line. 36 league goals. Not only that, not only that, but eight assists from the front. So just for a for peace of mind for everyone to just keep this statistic, because it's just a stat. The numbers don't lie. It's just a number. That's more assists than Paul Scholes ever got in a single campaign for United. Just saying. Just saying. But no, you can't you can't say enough positive things about Erling Holland. He he came to the Premier League, he smashed every goal record imaginable. He's going to continue to do that every single year he's here. I would not be surprised if he broke his own record next year. Um, he's a freak of nature, and I'm thrilled that he plays for us. And then my wingers, um, on the right, I have Saka, and on the left, I have Martinelli. I think Arsenal's wing pairing was just the best wing pairing in the league. I think the production maybe died off a little bit at the end of the year, but the, the whole team died at the end of the year. Um, I think Martinelli has one of the best work rates I've seen mm. out of a, out of a forward in the league. I, I think the way he gets back, he gets forward. He runs at his defenders. He's super positive on the ball. I really like that about him. And, and, and I think Saka's probably one of the best young players in the league right now. I think he's, he's absolutely unbelievable, man. On his day, he's unplayable. And I, he's, he had such a good season this year. Uh, you know, double-digit goals and assists for Arsenal. Um, they need to do everything they can to keep him locked down to a long-term contract if they want to continue to see success because I think he's so, so important to them moving forward and, and he was so, so important to them this year. Um, before I move on, I do have a couple honorable mentions as well just because I want to get him in there. I, I, no, I actually don't need to say anything. They've all been <laughs> talked about. Josh is going to talk about one of them. Um yeah, so that, that's my front three, Josh. Go ahead and and, and do yours because you're going to mention one of the guys I have in my honorable mention, so just talk about him. So on the left, I have uh, Rashford, who Mitch mentioned, just an unreal run after the World Cup, uh, scored .69 goals plus assists per 90 minutes this year. Really, really good rate. Um, and just, a, I think, a, kind of a bounce-back season for him at United. Uh, last year, he, he wasn't doing that hot. So um, Holland, I don't need to beat a dead horse there. The numbers speak. Um, and on the right, the right, I have uh, Mo Salah. Um, again, I think this guy, the numbers speak for him. I think at the beginning of the year, we heard a lot of talk about um, this guy's not living up to the new contract, everything like that. 
Um, but boy, did he turn it on kind of after that first couple of months. Only player only player in the world not named Erling Holland or Mbappe that has over 30 goals plus assists in their domestic league this season. Um, scores goals at an insane rate. Um, creatively, I think he's been great this year too. You know, getting a lot of assists and he's done well defensively too. I think he's had to cover for kind of a, a very bad season defensively for Trent Alexander-Arnold at times. Um, you can see it in Salah's stats. I mean, he's accumulated more tackles than almost any other season he's been at Liverpool, I think besides the first one. Um, so, yeah, I, I took him over Saka not as a slight to Saka. I think he's had a great year, um, improved, so important to that Arsenal team. I just don't know how you can leave a guy with 30 you know, goals and assists off off the board. And he is one of those players, I feel like, and I'm willing to admit this, where he's not necessarily world-class for 90 minutes of the game, but I don't think he has to be. Um, he's a l not as quite Diogo Jota-like, but uh, as long as he gets me numbers, gets me goals, gets me wins, which, I mean, he was the guy for Liverpool in front of Allison this year. Uh, I'm going to be okay with him kind of playing shit in terms of dribbling or, or passing because um, he's not... I don't think he was the best at taking on defenders like one-on-one -on -one this year, but I think that the end product was there for me. Any other honorable mentions? Because I, I have one that uh, I'm surprised nobody's brought up. I think there's probably two wingers you could go for. I think Miguel Almiron is, is one. He had 11 goals, and uh, Jack Grealish, too. Jack Grealish, Grealish should be there. And, and on another honorable mention forward yeah. for me. I think you can't ignore the difference between it's not even pre-world cup and post-world cup it's pre-jao cancelo and post-jao cancelo <laughs> jack Grealish. yeah i think him commanding that left side really did completely change his game um phil foden too had a sneaky great year 11 11 goals in the league i, I think he's on like 16 ga and he's apparently having a bad season um so you know it when he's you know not injured and and having surgery, he's a, he's a great player. I think yep. his beginning half of the year, if he could have kicked on after the World Cup, if he didn't get injured and stuff like that, I think we'd be having a different conversation. But for now, just an honorable mention and a, a good player who hopefully can stay fit for a full season next year. So my my honorable mention up top also uh, shouts out to Callum Wilson for what he did oh, at true, Newcastle. Yeah. In his 30 apps, he had a he had 18 goals and five assists, five big chances created. I I, I think he had a really quiet, solid year uh, in in a Newcastle team that fucking works their asses off across the board. Before we get into managers, guys, uh, is there anyone that kind of piqued your interest this year that you you'll give like an early, way too early prediction for to make the uh, team of the season next year? Any interesting names you want to throw out? I I think we watch Mitoma. I think we definitely watch yep. that space next year. I, I think all the Brighton guys. McAllister, I think, is definitely a player to watch next year, especially if he gets his big move to uh, to a big club. I think Bruno Guillermes. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Bruno G at Newcastle. I think you watch him as well him next I. year, especially if Newcastle go out and really strengthen and and really make a run at what should be a trying to fight for a title. If they can finish in the top yeah. three this season, you, you'd think if they strengthen next year, it's 
it's only right they're going to do it. And then, and then lastly, I think Jack Grealish for City. I think sure. if Cancelo doesn't come back and the system stays similar to the the way it is now, there's no reason he can't kick on and and be the player that everybody wants him to be, which is the guy who you know is getting nine goals and 14 assists. There's no reason he can't put up De Bruyne like numbers if he plays as confident as as he did this back half of the year for a full 38. I like uh, Alexander Isaac, too, Newcastle. Mm. I think he's a good shout. He really had some games this year that was like, wow, and he's young. I have two. Uh, first one is the homer pick. I am going to give it to Darwin Nunes. I Ooh, think good show. For, for the amount of woodwork he hit this year, uh, give him a full season in the Liverpool shirt. I think he's going to have a great season next year, especially in this uh, transformative system that we're kind of leaning into. Uh, and then uh, kind of a, a sleeper pick, uh, Eze at Crystal Palace. Nice. Should he stay, I think Eze uh, could have a really big year next season. Heard some Liverpool transfer interest there, so you never know. Uh, Maybe it's in a red shirt. Yeah. Let's talk about managers real quick, guys. Um, I'll, I'll toss it right back to Mitch for, the, for that one. Mitch can start us off with the, the manager of the season. Uh, so I think – with today's result, my manager got uh, solidified. This Airby had uh, a, a great year, I think, uh, bringing this this Brighton team to where they are, getting a, a European um, some some European competition. I, I really am liking what I'm seeing out of a Brighton team we didn't kind of give two shits about uh, at the beginning of the year. I was impressed. I mean, it's not a it's not a title winning season. It's not like he has the greatest assets, but uh, Lewis Dunk and <laughs> and company were able to to march into a into a Europa League spot. So I think that's a phenomenal bit of work out of out of that bright side with so many um, yeah. kind of transfers out after last season. I had Deserby as well. Um, I think it look when you look at not only his talent pool but his roster turnover, um, and I know he didn't you know potter was gone and stuff but um he still inherited a team that just was fresh off the losses of eves basuma um mark kukurea I'm, I'm missing oh, ben white last year as well yep to to think of the players they've lost um neil mopai as well went to left last yep. year so a ton of turnover so this team you think they would be like barren like down to the bones and the way he's really kind of um I would say shape this team around his style of play mentality. I think it's really, really cool to do that in such a short amount of time. Uh, he's a big manager. Wouldn't surprise me if he gets a look at a big club in the next year. Looking back on it, it, it really is that Serie A kind of uh, roots that you can see coming out. It's a, it's a gritty team. Um, it's, it's fighting for every point and my God, did they take it to the to end to be able to to earn their spot in in Europe. Yeah, and the recruitment's already starting again from again. Then they get James Milner. What a what a great signing for them. Um, and Jao Pedro from Watford, and uh, yep. there's another guy as well, uh, pretty talented. So big things from them next year. Pat, I I'm gonna give a couple honorable mentions and yep. also tell you why I'm skeptical about Deserby before I do so because hashtag embrace debate. Sure. <laughs> I think Deserby is a great coach. I think he had a great year. However, I think 
I am more impressed with the Brighton system than I am the coach. I am more impressed with the framework that's in place for no matter who coaches that team to succeed. We have seen Brighton coaches, Graham Potter, be very good coaching Brighton and then move and be exposed as maybe actually a bad coach. I think it's more important that Brighton as a whole are such a well-run organization. You just talked about the incredible scouting that they do. They, they brought in a ton of players, so Deserby had the ability to do what he needed to do. I think Deserby is very good, and I don't I, – I think I need to see – I'll see him in Europe next year and be a little more sold, but I think the Brighton system is very good, and yep. it's very hard not to succeed when you're a coach with a decent tactical mind with the network that is Brighton Football Club. That being said, full credit to them. I'm really happy they made Europe. I like the team a lot. But that's just why, for me, he's not my manager of the year. Other honorable mentions, I do just want to make sure get their their recognition on this podcast. Gary O'Neill over at Bournemouth. That that club was pegged for relegation. Everybody was like, those motherfuckers are going down. They spend absolutely no money. And they're in 15th place, and they're going to be in the Prem next year. And I think you have to give Gary O'Neill a little bit of credit for – keeping this bright Bournemouth team in the league on a shoestring budget. And that, that to me is impressive. So I want to give credit there. Andre Silva, another, another team that that people were like, they are going down. Fulham are getting relegated. A lot of people had Fulham in, in between like 17th and 19th place at the beginning of the season. They're in ninth. They're going to finish above Chelsea. Several teams (laughs) people had, you know, fighting for Europe. They're going to, they're going to finish above a lot of really good clubs, and, and I think that's a testament to Andre Silva, what he did there, and how good he got that Fulham team playing. Everybody was like, Fulham are going down. Oh, it's just the championship. Da, 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 da. He took that same exact style of play, brought it to the Prem, and got them a top half finish. And that's super, super impressive. So those are my honorable mention managers. My manager of the season is Unai Emery because Villa looked like they were relegation bound. Yep before he took over uh they were like winless in like eight or nine or some shit like that again i don't have stats i just have vibes um and they're gonna finish in seventh they're just outside europa league he's gonna get them into conference league and they're they're transformed under emery he he took a sinking ship and pulled it into another top half finish and yeah, you can say that he has a lot at his disposal, but Gerard had a lot at his disposal, and he was going to get them relegated. And then Unai Amri came in, immediately righted the wrongs, and they've looked like a brand new team ever since he came in and took over that that team. And for me, that really solidifies him as as my manager of the season. Um, also, we'd be remiss not to just say shout out Arteta. Um People thought like maybe fifth place, and you know, instead he stumbled into a title race for 36 match weeks. So, yeah, credit where credit's due. I think Arteta had a really good year too. I think the pressure ultimately kind of, kind of got to him. Uh, it's his first time doing it without Pep on on his wing. Um, and and yeah. Uh, Did we mention? Uh, we talked about Thomas Frank earlier. I think he's another one kind of in the middle of the table that probably needs a shout. And then. I don't know if Eddie Howe got a, uh, a mention in there as well. I mean, Newcastle nope. were just a relegation side last year. Uh, 
I mean, the paid a couple growth. big signings and and put together a fucking phenomenal defense and a fucking great midfield and players that can get the ball in the back of the net. They they brought in the right pieces mm-hmm. and Eddie Howe Eddie Howe coached a great Newcastle side this year. I th- I also think Ten Hag deserves a shout for what it's worth. Like, <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> for what it's worth, if you if we if we think back just eight nine months and think of how much shit we were giving this united side they've outperformed everything we thought they would do and more aside from a few absolute blunders to start the year i think he settled in fine and 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 coasted united to to a a a fine season i'm gonna clip that go for it (laughs) i shout out mark goldbridge Shout out Mark Goldbridge one time. Uh, I don't. I don't know if I would have Ten Hag in my in mind, but hey, hashtag embrace debate. Hey, Boy. I gotta throw a random fucking United shout in there. It's better than Paul Pogba last year. Yeah, that's fair enough. That was uh, that still might be one of the funniest <laughs> social media interactions we've ever had uh, on this podcast. Don't come at my neck on Christmas ever. Mm. Okay, boys. I will say just to to keep the debate going for just a second longer um for me the only reason eddie howe because i think that was the only serious shout that was given eddie howe um sorry mitch not your 10 hag but um (laughs) for me with with the what they what they spent what they had at their disposal coming into the season a full preseason under howe we kind of all had them around where they were between like six and fourth they outperformed a little bit but ultimately i think this newcastle team was kind of expected to be a pretty good side um no you and if if they like won the league then yeah i'd probably be saying eddie howe should be manager of the year or like even finish second like if they were fighting for the title all year but i think they were what i think what impressed me more about him was how tough they were to play I think his tactics yeah. were really good, but yeah, I, I, a, I get what you're a, saying too. That is a good shout. I I do I do agree with you. Ultimately, I think that that makes a lot of sense as well. But I think there were people who did more, quote unquote, with a lot less. Which, sure. which is again, which is why I'm not going to sit here and fight for Pep either. Yeah, we were supposed to win the league, and we did. <laughs> That's the team of the season, boys. Um, we have. Premier League finishing this weekend. We'll be at the Portland Zoo. We have FA Cup the weekend after. European Finals the week after. Uh, Promotion playoffs this Saturday. Soccer's wrapping up, guys. Bundesliga ends this this weekend. Yeah. I mean, what what a finish it's going to be. Dortmund and Bayern play at the same time on the same day. Yeah, it's going to be hectic. Um, we'll have end-of-season awards coming out, Champions League final reaction and preview, um, everything you guys are going to need for the end of the year, and then we'll take our summer break and uh, be We're back again. We're going to Ibiza. Yeah. My ass will be in the thick of it for the next month. Yeah, Pat's going to go through it, but we're going to make sure we capture every moment for you guys. Um, like, share, <laughs> subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Any final comments, boys? What a season. Up the blues. Deuces.